Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey friends, so today we are going to be talking about how to make more money in your career. I like money. <laughs> yes, we all like money. Who doesn't like making more money? I think if people click on this podcast, it's because they want to make more money. Yes, and that is what we will be going through today. Our first tip is to start working early. Pablo, How early? As soon as you can. No, I mean, within reason, everyone's different. Me, I love making money and working. So I got my first job as soon as I could, as soon as I was legally able to at 14 and nine months at McDonald's. And I've got a funny interview story to share with you guys. Oh yeah, you told me about that one. Really <laughs> yeah. funny. I was at Macca's for my interview. That's good. You found the right place to go for the interview. That's a good point. You did not go to KFC or you went to the right restaurant. I did. I did. Yeah. No one else gave me an interview, to be honest. Like I handed out my resume at so many places you wouldn't believe. But yes, I got I got an interview and I remember sitting there, little old me, 14 and nine months. Pretty sure I was still in my school uniform at that time during my interview. I remember the manager sat me down and he said to me, so are you punctual? That was his first question would you describe yourself as punctual? And I thought for a moment, I did not know what punctual meant. So I took an estimated guess and I was like, punctual sounds like punctuation. So I was, I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm pretty good at grammar. And then he just looked at me and he was like, punctual means on time. And I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm also like that as well and it was just so awkward and then for the rest of the interview I was just like damn it how could you be so stupid but that was a yes no question so you could have almost guessed it and then be like yes or no because are you punctual yes I am and then just move on I guess I could have done that yeah next time next time I'll do that your next interview <laughs> anyway so I guess what I learned from working at Macca's was... Um, so you got hired. I did get hired. Because you were punctual yes. and good at grammar. I, I was good at grammar. I didn't know how that would help me at all, working at Macca's. But anyway, I got the job. Yeah, it was a good job. It was a good first job. So what did you learn then? One of the things that I learned working at Macca's is it's really important. Well, for me anyway. It was good to start working early. I started working when I was 14 and nine months. And I remember at the time, not many people in my grade had a job, but I did. And sure, I was working at Macca's, you know, not the most glamorous place to work. But when I was 16, I had a job at a department store and I kind of, you know, slowly, slowly made my way up the career ladder, went from Macca's to working in a jewelry shop. 
then to working in a department store at 16. And I was kind of like, I don't know, I was really proud of that because, you know, I had a pretty good job for someone that age. And and around 16 was the time when a lot of other people in my grade started getting jobs and they found it a lot more difficult than me because I already had experience. So Yeah, I guess it's good because you did not realize at the time when you're 14, oh, you're going to have such a head start. But when you're 16 or 18, then that's where you realize, oh, that was so good that I have this on my resume. Because people, they don't look at anything else but than resume. Where did you work at? Usually everyone is equal. Okay, you studied there. The same person I studied there. What differentiates you compared to the other people? And Maka's experience, punctuality. <laughs> now we know what the word punctual means. And what about you? Where was your first job, Pablo? How old were you? I was, I think, 18. So I was kind of a unique first job. I was windsurfing instructor. Mm. So teaching people how to windsurf. Luckily enough, like, I kind of used my skills of windsurfing and uh, that I learned like when I was younger because I did that. every week I was doing windsurfing and every summer as well I was going windsurfing so I, I learned a lot I knew how to windsurf right and then in my club they were teaching people to become teacher so I was like okay I'm going to become an instructor and then use that skill that I have and because became a windsurfing instructor so that was my first job as like kind of holiday job not like a regular, but more like holidays. And then for summer as well, I landed a job like in Turkey for three months in Club Med. And I was a windsurfing instructor, so pretty cool. Hmm, that's cool. That's a good first job. That's like a, ha, oh, me? I'm a windsurfing instructor. Yeah, looking back, it was like pretty cool. Yeah, I know. That would have been cool. Yeah, me, Maccas. Pablo, windsurfing instructor. <laughs> That's all because I answer punctuality right, maybe. That's true. That's true. I guess one of the things as well is that you used your skills to your advantage. Yes, I did. Like I used what I learned that not many people will know to my advantage. So I guess I was able to use that to my advantage and then land a job really related to the skill that I had and that helped me uh, land a job. So I think uh, one lesson that I learned is that Try to find unique skill that you have, maybe that you are good at compared to your friends or your circle, and then see what can I make of this. Like, for example, the video editor that we started with, he was telling me that he was starting editing videos for his friends. And I was like watching YouTube videos as well. When am I doing that full time? You know, I'm good at it. Not many people know how to do it. I'm helping a lot of people. I've learned a lot. And it became full-time video editor now. That's such a nice story. Good on him. So our next point is to negotiate more when you start a new job. Do you remember the first time you asked for a pay rise or when you started to negotiate your salary? Uh, I think maybe like in my 20s. So when I was windsurfing instructor, there was kind of base salary. So you do this, you get paid this. There was no negotiation involved really. But when I started my first internship, when I came to Australia, actually, that was the first time I kind of negotiated the salary. My first job was like business analyst and uh, here in Australia. And then I was paid about $50,000 Australian dollar a uh, year. Yeah. So that was kind of the first time I negotiated. What about you, Queen? Mm, that's cool. Yeah, similar to you, I think the, the jobs that I had in retail and hospitality, I couldn't really negotiate. But then when I started working in an office job and 
I had my first internship, that was when I started to negotiate it a bit more. So my first office job was an unpaid internship part-time. And then my next job, I was able to kind of like negotiate a little bit more after a bit of time. It took a while to, to get your, you know, your confidence up to start doing that. But I think it's a very important skill to know. Definitely. So how did you negotiate your salary? One of my friends told me a really good tip. And that is, it's really important to negotiate more when you start a new job. And I wish I knew this tip earlier in my career. One thing that I learned is that the first time I negotiated my salary, it was fine because I was working for, I guess, like a small business and I was earning $20 an hour and I negotiated my salary to $25 an hour. I remember I was so nervous. I was sitting with him in like a, I think we were in like a cafe or something like that. And I was so nervous. I was like, oh my gosh, I've been working there for maybe six months, maybe a little bit more than that. But I had really upskilled myself and I was doing a lot more than what I was hired to do. And he said, yes. So it was good. It all went well, even though I was super nervous. I guess after that, I started to get a bit more confidence. But one really good lesson that I learned was coming back to that story where my friend said, it's good to negotiate more when you start a new job. I really learned that lesson when I was, I think it would have been maybe my third or fourth office job. So I wanted to move jobs and I had two job offers. One of the job offers was 90000 and the other one was 100000 And at the time I was like, oh, $10,000, you know, that's a lot of money. And I was thinking, should I go for the $100,000 job? But I didn't really love the vibe of the company as much as the other one, even though it paid less. So I decided to go with that one. But what I did say was... um look, I've decided to go with this job, but, you know, I got offered another job, which was $10,000 more, but I turned it down because I want to work here. But would it be possible to negotiate my salary in another year or so, or even like six months? And they said, yes, like we can, you know, review your salary after then. So I kind of thought, okay, cool. Maybe after six months, a year, I'll be back to that 100K, you know? It didn't actually end up like that. So I remember six months in, like a year in, I didn't get a pay rise. And I guess the company also like didn't have heaps of money to... And as a note, it's not that you did not ask. You are asking, like you said as a base, in six months, we're going to review the salary. And six months after, even five months after, okay, can we sit down and review, you know, performance reviews, things like that. And they were, okay, okay. And then they just said, oh, you need to wait and wait and wait. And after like many months of waiting, you're like, oh, nothing's happening. And I really love the job. That's why I stayed for so long, even after not being able to get my pay rise. But after a while, I was a bit like, oh, like they're kind of like avoiding me and like don't want to do meetings with me. And like the performance reviews, like it, yeah, it didn't really seem like it was going anywhere. So that's what happened. And then I learned my lesson because I was like, oh, I think that, my friend really had like hit the nail on the head when she said it's important to negotiate more when you start a new job because it's really difficult to get a pay rise after you get the job. So in my next job, I negotiated more. So I negotiated like quite a lot more because I knew it would be really hard to get a pay rise once I actually got that job. So that's that's my lesson learned. Yeah, very good. Very good. And I guess when you start a new job also, you have less to lose because you're not even 
in the job. So that maybe you're already working somewhere. So what the worst thing they can say is no, or, you know, a lower offer. While if you work there at the companies that they say no, then it's much more difficult to find a job while getting a pay rise is hard. Mm, I don't know why it is. Because I guess the company, they're like, oh, you already pay. Like for them, is like they put a price on your head. And that's how much they calculated hiring you. And then it's much harder to go to not lose, but to pay more money for someone rather than at the beginning, like, okay, we're going to hire that person for that much. And that's what we're planning for the next 12 months or two years or whatever. Yeah, that's true. But it's a bit of a shame, really, because if they were to hire someone new in that person's role, they would have to pay the market rate, which would probably be more than what they're paying that person. Exactly. And there's not just that, but also the cost of training someone. Training someone, it takes a long time. Having like, you know, you learn everything. Let's say you work six months or one year. You've learned so much about the company, how it works and all these things. Imagine how much it will have to pay you for a few weeks, then pay some people to find someone else, pay some for doing the interview and things like that, then pay you or pay someone else plus the other person while the training for like maybe two, three, four weeks maybe. And a person that will probably be less performing for a few weeks until they can finally thrive. But it's much more expensive than just the cost of money. Mm. Like there's much more things involved. That's so true. It's a shame that some companies don't think like that, like think it's so important to retain good talent, you know, because obviously I know some businesses, they struggle and, you know, we just don't have unlimited supplies of money. I get that. But then at the same time, like you said, Pablo, there are other costs involved in having to hire someone new if you're not giving them that, that pay rise that they're after. And as we know, the cost of living, it's increasing every year. So, Especially with the new inflation rate. Yeah, exactly. The new inflation rate. Can currently, you remind you the number? <laughs> currently in Australia, it's 5.1%. I'm saying that because Queenie's been waiting the whole week. So I, she could say it in the podcast. <laughs> I have. I actually um, put a little task on when the inflation rate comes out just so that I know it and I can share it with you guys. But yeah, that means that if you did not get a pay rise last year, the cost of living has increased so it means that you're kind of like worse off than last year because the cost of living increases every year. So that's why it's important to keep on increasing your income so that you can just afford to even just maintain the same lifestyle. Because as we know, every year with inflation, the cost of everything goes up. What a great tip. I think next time you guys are looking for a new job, that's the time to ask much more money. Another tip is... I guess we have mentioned that a good place to negotiate your salary is when you move jobs. But how do you negotiate your salary when you are in your job? Oh, that's a that's a good point. So we've got some tips here. The first one is to double check some Glassdoor reviews. So what's Glassdoor? I'm glad you asked, Pablo. <laughs> Glassdoor, it's essentially this website where employees can leave anonymous reviews and it's kind of a place where you can be quite transparent about your salary and your role and what you actually think of the company. So it's a really good place to go if you're interviewing for a company, but also working within your company because sometimes people will post 
how much money they're making and how much they earn in their jobs. So it's kind of good to get a bit of a sense check of like how much other people are earning. And of course, you could also ask your colleagues as well. And I know something that people may be concerned about is what about those privacy, privacy. yes, secrecy clauses? What about the privacy? I'm glad you asked, Pablo. I asked you all the right questions today. You really are. It's almost like it was scripted. <laughs> it's not scripted. No way, Pablo. I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm joking. It actually kind of is. We've got the bullet points. But PwC and Westpac have actually removed their salary secrecy clauses in their contracts. So now employees can freely talk about how much they earn, which I think is a really good step in the right direction. It is because you never know like how to place yourself and obviously being able to talk about that with uh, other employees and colleagues and things like that is really useful to put like perspective into your worth versus someone else and understand that. And even like I was reading somewhere or I was hearing from someone that, you know, usually women, they would apply for a job that is kind of less qualification or a bit like the more entry-level job, even though they are overqualified, while men will be applying for jobs that they are underqualified, but just going for the higher pay job. And it happened that sometimes the woman will get actually the better job because they're actually much more qualified than what they've applied for. Interesting. Yeah. So I think it's it's important to have that balance. Like, obviously, you don't want to be like, I don't know, you know, like really outside of the the realm of possibility and you're really like you know I'm gonna go for CEO even though I I just worked at Macca's sort of thing but you know you don't want to undersell yourself as well and that's the fine balance when it comes to working and another tip is to just get a bit more of a sense check by checking online to see how much other people are earning in a similar job. And there are quite a lot of websites that do have pay scales for people in similar positions. So you can see if you're actually getting the market rate for the work that you're doing. And I would also start to gather a bit of evidence in how you're actually benefiting the company more than when you started. So are you doing your job more efficiently compared to when you started? Let's say you're working with more clients, you're doing more work generally because someone else has left and you've picked that up. Or maybe you're working on things that are outside of the job description that you were initially hired for. So you can go back in time, find that job description you were hired for, And then have a look at those bullet points and see if there are any other things that you're doing in your job now that weren't in that job description. And that's something that can really help you negotiate. Another tip is to be professional when you are negotiating your salary. Obviously, you know, you want to prove your worth, but it's important to also be grateful for the opportunities that you have and show that you are grateful for that. But, you know, you still want a bit more and that's fine. Not going to be like, Boss, you need to pay me more Yeah, right now. Otherwise, I'm going to tell everyone about the company's secrets. Otherwise, I'm going to... Imagine that you start blackmailing your boss. (laughs) And then if you don't get the pay rise that you're after, you can also have a bit of a backup plan for that situation. So let's say they, they can't give you the pay rise yet. You could negotiate... So basically... I cannot, I'm sorry, but you don't do any, I'm sorry, Queenie, but I can't give you the pay rise. I'm sorry. That's okay, because I have some other things that I'm after as well. More holidays, 
I'd like to negotiate working remotely for a few days per week. Is that is that possible? We're already working from Hong Kong. <laughs> so, so that was a bit of a, you know, something that you, you could put into your meeting. Prepare this meeting. I, I can yes. see. <laughs> That's true. But hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's good to have a backup plan if there are any other things that you would like to do or negotiate in your job. If they say no, it's something that you can always negotiate. One thing also that the backup plan obviously can be like holidays or maybe like other interview, but you don't, I think you don't really want to be a company that will just give you the pay rise because you are about to leave and get more money somewhere. That's not very healthy. You know, then everyone is going to try to do that. As a company first, I don't think it's the right move to uh, give a pay rise to someone just because they say, oh, I'm going to leave. I'm going to get that much. Okay, we match that. It's hmm. like, like if they are about to leave, there is a reason for that, not just the salary, but maybe other things. And if everyone does that, then everyone's going to get a pay rise if they say it. Hmm. So I think the culture, uh, you know, the backup plan is good, but you don't want to be like just because they pay you more or thing. Hmm, that's true. I guess ideally, you know, the company would come to you with a a new salary offer and say, hey, look, I can see that you're doing a lot more work than what you were hired to do and we'd like to increase your salary to X, Y, Z. And I think that's a really good way to do it. It would I be agree. good if more companies did that, I maybe agree. in the future. And yeah, one other thing that I was reading is to keep smiling. Keep smiling. Chin up, guys. Yeah, and more smile equals more five-star review on Spotify, I've, I've heard. Yes, yes. You can't see us right now if you're listening to this on Spotify, but we are smiling. So make sure you rate us five stars on Spotify. If you are enjoying this podcast so far, we would really appreciate that. So while you guys got your phone out to rate us five stars on Spotify, you can, after that, calculate your real hourly wage. What do you mean real hourly wage? How do you calculate that, Pablo? Well, for me, I haven't calculated because it's zero since you haven't paid me. What do you mean? I, I wire transferred you. Yeah, you wire transfer your own account. No, no. I, I sent you a wire transfer. There's something wrong with your bank. Still waiting for it. Maybe I'll uh, ask Anna. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so... Calculating your real hourly wage is including not just how many hours you work, but every other thing that you do outside of work that are related to work or that the work may have incurred. For example, let's say you work at a desk job and you kind of have a bit of back problems, back aches from sitting at your desk all day. And you have to see a physio or go to get a massage every now and again. Those are some costs that, while they're not directly related to your job, like buying a new computer or something like that, they are related to your job because you wouldn't have to incur this expense if you didn't have your job. Even like just getting ready for work, you know, going commuting. 
commuting because that's not tax deductible when you are an employee. So those are some things that we should factor into our hourly wage because we wouldn't need to commute to work. That's, that's an expense that's directly related to our work. Well, let's say you burn out and you need a holiday to feel better. That's an expense related to work, but that is not included. Or uh, let's say you had a bad day at work and you're going for a drink and you rent to your friends about your work that you hate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I've done that many a times. <laughs> Those are some things that you don't calculate. And even just the time that you spend ranting to your friends about something that happened at work or let's say the time that you have to spend decompressing after a long day at the office when you just can't do anything and you're sitting on the couch watching Netflix or on TikTok. Those are some things that we're not really calculating, you know, into our expenses, but we should because they're all work-related expenses. And a good website actually will put in the description. There is like to calculate your real hourly wage is what's the name of the website? Your money or your life hourly wage calculator, I believe. So we'll put that in the, in the description. And this is a concept that we did learn from the book, Your Money or Your Life. And I think that it's just so true because there are so many costs, even just like makeup and presentation, grooming products that we have to purchase in order to look a certain way for our job. These are all important things. So you might think that you're earning $50 an hour, but when you calculate taxes, transport, commuting, all Even of the... Even working the weekend. Working on the weekends, um, the decompression time that we have to spend after we work, all the grooming products that we need to purchase and clothes and things like that. Maybe our real hourly wage isn't actually $50 per hour, but maybe it's looking something more like $20 per hour once we do start to look at all of those costs. It's a big difference. <laughs> Yeah, it is. And that's actually the the calculations that I did the other day, just with some simple directly work-related costs. So I, I just did transport. I did like a massage every two weeks. And I also did, yeah, decompression time, like an hour, getting ready time. And it, it already went down to $20 per hour. And it and seems taxes, pretty fast. Like, it's not like crazy thing that you are doing. Mm. So yeah, highly recommend doing that for you guys. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I think it's also important to consider when you are looking for a new job. How many other work-related expenses will this new job have? It's yeah, true, but I feel like it will be quite hard to know until you are in the job or without asking like employees that are already mm. working there. But let's say, for example, you know, you take a higher paying job, but you know that this job is a lot more demanding of your time than, say, the job that you yep. had before. Those are some things that we should also consider because maybe we won't be working 38 hours per week, but maybe we're working more like 50 hours per week. So it's like, what's your real hourly wage then when you do take on that extra time? And is it actually worth it for you to have that extra time taken away as well? And so let's say you have extra time, Queenie. What could you do to make extra money with this extra time? Perfect segue into our next point, which is to start a business or a side hustle. And Pablo and I, we are side hustle and business veterans. How many side hustles do you think we've started? Uh, Maybe six, seven. And you know what? Not all of them have been a success, I would say. You probably may not have seen it on the cover of Forbes magazine, but that's okay. 
because we tried and now we know. What what are some businesses that we've started? So false eyelashes business. False eyelashes, yep. Kitchen gadgets. <laughs> the kitchen gadgets. Selling uh, just literally kitchen gadgets. Yeah, so like vegetable peelers and cheese graters and things like that. Um, marketing, digital marketing. Digital marketing. We had a travel blog for a while. But uh, even though they were failure, like we learned a lot. We did, yes. And for the money that we spent starting these businesses, they weren't particularly expensive. I would say, I mean, for this, for the false eyelashes business, for example, I think we spent about ten thousand dollars in total on that yeah, business. Yeah, and it was not even ten thousand dollar from the beginning. We yeah. started like spending one, two thousand dollar. The good thing is we had the knowledge of creating a website, things like that. So we did not have to spend that much, mainly on products. And most of the other businesses, actually, we did not spend much money at all. Mm. So I think one key that really helped us was to not spend much money starting those side hustles until they started making more money. Like, let's say this YouTube channel and content creation. So we started with literally buying a microphone. 70 bucks. Yeah. So that was recording with the phone, having a microphone, and that was it. Free editing software iMovie and when we saw a bit of traction that there was potential then we started investing more in a better camera like $200 on Gumtree uh, if I remember and then more and more as we grow but I think it's important to do it by step and not spending like 10 grand or 20 grand obviously not all business are like that but step by step to really make the most of um, see if the business has some leg before investing more money. Yeah, completely agree. And I think it is important to try to keep costs low, especially in the beginning when you're just testing, because, yeah, you don't want to spend like heaps of money and then later realize, oh, it's not really it's not really working out that well. And it's okay if it doesn't. There are many other things that you can try. I think it's just important to just to give it a go, right? Yeah, I think you have to know like if it's a dip or if it's, you know, not working at all. So... One book that you read was actually The Deep. Yeah, a really great book. So essentially, we all go through, I guess, the period when we're doing something that is working and it is worthwhile doing, but we can go through a bit of a dip. And that during that dip, you're kind of like, oh, should I do this anymore? Is it working? And it's about knowing when to push through the dip and knowing when it's actually not a dip and maybe you should quit. You see that? You see that little rhyming that I did there? It's not a dip. You should quit. <laughs> hey, Can you maybe I'm a, a rapper. new side hustle. Is that what you do after recording yeah. videos? Yeah, that's me. Yeah, so I think that that's the hardest thing to know, like when to quit a business and when to keep going with it because Pablo and I, we started many businesses. And, you know, sometimes it's a bit hard to admit to yourself like when something isn't really working and, you know, you're spending more money than you're making. And there was also a stage that we were working on the false eyelashes business because we were running ads and also the YouTube channel. And it was outside of our nine to five. And we were like, it's just taking so much time. We don't have time to do all this. So we're like, okay, we're going to put aside the false eyelashes business, just do the orders that came fr- come through without purchasing any ads or anything and focus 100% on the YouTube channel. And that was like a decision that, paid off but sometimes uh, you can't split yourself too thin Mm -hmm. it's important to 
focus on one thing that's the the most low hanging fruit let's say yeah exactly i think that for us having businesses and side hustles and extra income streams has been so helpful for us because it just gives us a bit of confidence as well like in the jobs that we were working that it's okay like even if i if even if this doesn't work out i can find another job and i also have my side hustles and different income streams to fall back on but it also isn't for everyone i know that you know some people they don't really want to pick up a second job or like start a side hustle. And I get that as well, you know? Yeah. If we, I'm glad that we did it because if we didn't try it, then we wouldn't be able to be doing what we're doing now with our content creation business, working on it full time together, which is something we've always wanted to do. And I guess it comes back to, you know, the very beginning, like when I was doing the windsurfing instructors, I used my skills. So you may have lots of skills that you already use in your nine to five job that you may be able to use on a side or something. Like we're doing websites in marketing yeah. and we use that into side or something. Yeah, yeah. We used to build websites on the side as well. And that was a good income generator. We also did freelance digital marketing on the side as well, because these are things that we were doing in our jobs. So yeah, I'm sure that you would have skills that potentially could do freelance work outside of hours. And the good thing about working freelance is you can often negotiate a higher hourly wage than if you were working full time. So yeah, it's a good way to earn some extra money. Yeah. And here's a tip to start a business. There's this really cool concept that I love. It's called Ikigai. So they're essentially like, okay, picture this. There are four circles. Like a Venn, what's the name? Venn diagram. Yes. I remember that from, I think, maths. So (laughs) yes, back in the day. So the first circle is what you love. The next circle is something the world needs. And the third circle is something that you're good at. And the fourth circle is something that makes money. And where all of these circles collide, that is your ikigai. That is, you know, the the perfect business or side hustle or career for you. And I just love this concept because I think it's so true. Because let's say you only have two of those circles. Like, let's say it's like you're doing something you love and you're doing something the world needs, which is amazing. Like, that's like a very passionate kind of endeavor that you're doing. But when you aren't able to get paid for it, that can be a bit of a struggle because it might be your passion and it might be something that people love. But it's like, oh, it maybe would have to be a bit more of a side hustle, like an extra project that you would have to do. Whereas if you had, you know, all of those circles, you could do something that you love, something the world needs, and you can also get paid for it, which I think is like, you know, the ideal situation. What do you think about Ikigai and that concept? concept like from Japanese right yeah yeah it's Japanese very cool concept I think like there's always sometimes you have like two or three circles but it's hard to find the four but it's a good exercise to do and I guess it comes with time not practice but just trying failing and until you find it like we found with this content creation business that was very good yeah and I think another thing to note is that sometimes earning more money it doesn't always equal more happiness or what would you say about like earning more money or like chasing that yeah I guess you have to see like what's starting from the end right and what's your purpose like there was this and cool 
TED talk that we watched and he was talking about the guy that was doing the talk was talking about chess masters and there are not many people that are chess masters in the world and the thing he was saying is that there's so many possibilities to to do the next move right but how they do it like the chess master to understand all of those is they're starting from the end and go backwards and that's how they understand what move they should be next and I guess it's the same thing in life. You should see what do you want the life, your end of the life, be like, and start backwards and do the thing that you want to do, which are related and that will help you achieve what you want, where you want to finish at. So it's not always more money because sometimes you have less time for, let's say, your family or enjoying holidays. And maybe sometimes, yeah, because you might have to work the weekend, extra hours, not have time for seeing your friends and come back to, yeah, calculate your real early wage. Mm, I love that TED Talk. You have to watch it. We'll put it in the description. It it was like you were watching it and and we were like, where's he going with this story? And then like the end, he was just like, drop the mics. Like, oh, and I was like, whoa. Yeah, it's so true. It's like, start from the end in mind because we don't want to live life with regrets. Like, that's the worst thing that I can imagine. Like, being an, a, a little old lady looking back on her life. Thinking, like your nana. My nana. Yeah. Sorry, yesterday. We were asking her advice that she would give young people. And, um, yeah, it's like I I want to meet myself when I'm like 90 well, years why don't old. Let's share the advice. Okay, well, let's share the advice. So, the first thing that she said is it's really important to exercise because you don't notice exercising and the benefits of exercising when you're young. But when you get older, that's when you really start to realize because those changes and you know exercising every day that that really compounds and it can compound in a good way and it can also compound in a bad way so she knows people in their 90s around the same age as her that are really really stiff and she thinks it's really really important to just exercise every day because the more you exercise the less stiff that you'll hopefully become when you're older and yeah. another tip that she learned is that it's important to Speak your mind and be more honest and just speak up more because if you're just always going along with things, saying things to to please other people and doing things that everybody else wants you to do, well, you're not really living life on your own terms and you're not really making decisions because you really want to make those decisions. And I think also in the long term, even if you may have to speak up every now and again, and maybe hurt people's feelings over the long term you'll probably hurt their feelings a bit less as well because you're honest and not from from the beginning and not wasting their time good insight so yeah i loved picturing myself as a little old lady thinking what would old queenie tell me right now what, what would she say and i like to think of my okay it's going to get a bit woo-woo, guys, but like my higher self. And I have this like, I guess, like a kind of version of myself that I want to become. So whenever I'm in like a stressful situation or I'm in a decision where I have to make choose between one of two situations, I, I think about what my higher self would do and what decision she would make. And I make that decision because I, I want to improve and I want to become a better person so 
yeah, thinking about myself like older and wiser has been super helpful. Do you think about that as well, like a higher Pablo? Yeah, but I'm quite short, so you know. <laughs> Do you think about the wise Pablo? The wise Pablo would be able to reach the can on top of the supermarket. Oh, no, you don't have to be told to be wise. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We really, really appreciate you guys. Yeah, really, really appreciate it. And go get that bread. Get that bread. Get that bread. Uh, we'll see you in the next episode. Thank Bye. You. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.